Welcome to Be Ye Hearers. It's a podcast of St. James's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia. When I was young, a child, in the spring of every year, my parents, who were really very good gardeners, would get a number of garden catalogs in the mail. They were filled with all kinds of things you can buy for your garden, the newest sprinkler that goes on and off by itself, or the latest bird bath, or a bird feeder guaranteed to attract birds into your yard, the latest gardening tools which help you keep the weeds away. Among these sundry items, there was always the statue of a religious figure, Francis of Assisi. I always got a a kick of seeing this holy man amidst the hoses and the garden equipment. But it also seems to me to be a little strange that Francis is relegated to the out of doors. I know all the stories about Francis making friends with the wolf at Gubbio and preaching the gospel of Jesus to the birds and the animals of God's created kingdom, but it strikes me that we have forced him outside of the church walls when it might be very important for us to let him come in. I have to ask myself why we have done this with Francis. Why have we said, in effect, you can stay in the garden, but don't come in the house? I think it's because though there were many things that were quaint and lovely about St. Francis, there are still a number of things about Francis that are wild and crazy. A little too wild and crazy for us to feel comfortable with them or with him. For instance, rather than accept the life of, of leisure, which was the way he was headed at first, Francis rejected all that his father gave him, including, including the clothing he was wearing at that moment. And he went into a CC buck naked to prove a point. One day he was out on the road and Francis encountered a leper. Rather than avoid him like everybody would normally do, he embraced the leper. Francis was always very clear about the points he was trying to make. His faith had the strength of youth. Francis was always able to maintain a childlike faith, if you will. He kept a childlike innocence even as an adult, and that is what makes us a little bit uneasy about him. He is the Peter Pan of Christians. He never grew up completely. That is why he preached to the animals and cavorted with the leper and did all kinds of things which as adults we feel are a little bit dangerous, on the dangerous side. He had the ability to see things as either right or wrong, black or white, and he did not mind declaring where he was in his relationship to God. That's why I believe that Matthew, in his gospel, writes that Jesus said, I thank thee, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and understanding and, re- and revealed them to babes. Jesus understood that unless we approach God as a child, as a babe, unless we approach faith with the innocence of youth, we will lose the meaning of what is, it is all about. 
And you'll recall that at one place when the uh, apostles are arguing who is the greatest, he takes a child in his lap and says, let the children come to me. It's people like this who will eventually get into the kingdom of God. He does not want us to be jaded and willing to make compromises with the evils of the world. He wants us to act with a youthful sense of righteousness. Francis is important for writing different things in Italian. He wrote the first poem in the Italian language, The Canticle of the Sun. And it goes like this. Most high, omnipotent, good Lord, praise, glory, and honor, and benediction, all are thine. To thee alone do they belong, most high. And there is no man fit to mention thee. Praise be to thee, my Lord, with all thy creatures, especially to my worshipful brother, son, which, that which lights up the day, and through him dost thou brightness give. And beautiful is he, and radiant with splendor great, of thee most high significance gives. He goes on in his poetry to describe in beautiful prose our sister moon, sister water, brother fire, mother earth, and finally he praises even bodily death from which no man can flee. The spirit of Francis, I think, is alive and well in our century if we look under the covers. It's just as, just as alive as it was in the 13th century Italy, where though he is revered as a patron saint of God's creation, especially pets and animals, his significance rises beyond the little statues that we put in our gardens. Francis is the subject of inquiry and reinterpretation. Nico, Nikos Katsanzakis wrote a novel about Francis. G.K. Chesterton wrote a biography about him. There have been three movies made about the life of Francis, including Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. Francis has been throughout the centuries an inspiration for works of charity. He is known for this in his own time and is known for it now. He, we find his name on soup kitchens, hospitals, cities, San Francisco, Santa Fe, that are all named for him. After his encounter with Jesus that helped him turn from the world and towards God, he settled in a small church called the Porzanuncula, and with a few men from Assisi, he lived a life of poverty, prayer, and good works. In 1209, he went to Rome to receive the approval of Pope Innocent III to found a new religious order dedicated to the living of a life of simplicity and poverty during a time in Christian history in which at least the leadership of the church was characterized by opulence and corruption. <clears throat> the order grew very rapidly after the, pope, the Pope's approval and in addition, Francis founded a female branch of his order for women called the Poor Clares, 
named for Claire of Assisi, who became one of his followers. There's also a third order of Franciscans, which is a group of lay people who try to live out uh, <clears throat> Franciscan values. Dante, Michelangelo, they were lay Franciscans. In his lifetime, Francis traveled throughout Italy and as far as Syria, where he tried to mediate between the Sultan and the Christian forces during the, the Crusades. His order, now led to, by others, began to change, change in some unfortunate ways. And Francis wrote a testament shortly before his death, imploring the friars to preserve the simplicity of the earlier years and a dedication to poverty. Francis's deep contemplation and devotion to Christ culminated in his receiving the wounds of Christ, which are known as the stigmata in Laverna, the Mount of Laverna in Italy in 1224. He also suffered from failing eyesight in his older years and was substantially blind by the end of his life. He died in 1226 and was canonized just two years later. Those of you who know about the canonization process realize that this was extremely fast. He was canonized by Pope Gregory IX. The stories of Francis often referred to him as a sort of second Christ. He was incredibly revered by the people of his time and is now known as the patron saint of Italy. In our own time, G.K. Chesterton made the claim that Francis is the only true Christian. Think about that, the only true Christian. And an Austrian uh, author described him as the, the last Christian to ever live. Well, Francis still has a lot to, to do with God's creation. There are good reasons that he's out in the garden, but he has a lot to teach us about our church about our faith and about our God. So my, I implore you this day not to leave him out in the garden, but let him come into the house so that we may cherish his witness to us. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Ye Hears. For our full worship service, go to doers.org slash live. To learn more about St. James's, go to doers.org. We hope you've been touched by the Holy Spirit today. We look forward to being your companion on your spiritual journey.